chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. There is something about Memorial Day weekend that brings a, a, a soberness, a, a somberness. Yes, we have our celebrations, and we should. We enjoy getting together with family, and we should. There's something about considering those that have given their lives so that you and I might have freedom. Many of you have been to Washington, D.C., and you've seen the different war memorials, memorials that honor those who risked their lives and those who gave their lives for our country. Many of you have served. Many of you have lost a loved one in the place of war. And just thinking about the wars in the last 100 years, in World War I, over 110,000 died, American soldiers. In World War II, over 400,000 American soldiers died. In the Korean War, over 35,000. In the Vietnam War, over 58,000. In the Persian Gulf War, over 300. In the war on terrorism in Afghanistan and Iraq, over 6,000 have given their lives. It, what, the question that comes to my mind is what, what motivates a person to risk their life? What motivated these to abandon safety, to abandon security, and risk their lives? Well, there's going to be many reasons, but probably we could sum it up and say that they, they risked their lives for a cause. They believed or they gave their life for a cause. And their cause might have been to defend freedom, might have been for a deep sense of, of patriotism, might be because their brother served or their father served or their grandfather served. Maybe their cause was that they didn't have a choice, they got drafted. They were told what to do. But they found themselves in combat, and they, their, their cause may have just been defending their buddy in the foxhole that was with them. But they risked their lives for a cause. They abandoned safety. They abandoned comfort. They abandoned security. And I would like for us to look at that idea today, the idea of risk and the cause of God, the cause of, of His purposes. And I want us to look today at this idea of abandoning safety and abandoning comfort because of a, of a passion for the whole world to hear what we've heard, the message of the gospel, the privilege that we've had to hear his message to have that same cause for the whole world to hear until the whole world hears. I'm so thankful for Green Pines Baptist Church. And for many of you in this assembly this morning that have a passion like this in your heart, you live with a passion for the gospel to go to all the world until the whole world hears. In the last five months in my position with the Baptist State Convention here in North Carolina, I have visited a lot of churches and preached in, in many churches and, and met with different members of churches and missions committees and staff members and there are some that have the same passion that I see in, in many of you that are here at Green Pines. But there are many churches that I've come across in the last five months that do not have a passion for the mission of God. And they are inward focused 
and they are dying. They are dying. And I want to share with you a report this morning that the vibrant churches that I have visited and met with across the state of North Carolina in the last five months are vibrant because they have a cause for the mission of God, for His gospel to go into all of the world. It's not just a program. One of the many things that they do, it is at the core of the heart of the church to be on mission with God for His gospel to go into all the world. I want us to look at this morning at this call to abandon comfort and to take the gospel to the whole world. As many of you know, there are many in the world who do not have access to the gospel. These are hard places. The places that are easy, there's presence there. There's a Christian presence. There's missionaries at the easy places because we can get to them. I was just in China about two weeks ago, and we went to places that were very hard to get to, and we realized something on that trip in China, that the places that have airports, the cities across China that have airports, have a Christian presence, because they can, we can get to them. But the places that don't have airports, that are through a lot of difficult driving and, and hours and hours on bad roads, we don't have presence. There are unreached, unengaged people groups all through China in these hard places where we can't get to them, that are hard to get to them because of the difficulty there. And the International Mission Board calls these places around the world, they call that, that group of people collectively the last frontier. The last frontier. These places that have not yet received the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a term used by the International Mission Board to describe the unreached peoples of the world, the unengaged, meaning there's no missionary, there's no presence, there's no church praying for them. People who have not been reached with the gospel of Christ. And I'm not talking about just individual people, I'm talking about people groups, cultures, nations even, that do not have access to the gospel. Well, that term could be used, that idea of, the, of an unreached people group could be used to describe any person in the world that has not heard the gospel, which could mean your neighbor, which could mean your work associate or a friend at school. But more specifically, I want to use the term the way the International Mission Board uses the term. So the last frontier is that area of the world that contains most of the unreached peoples for which the majority of those peoples have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many call that area more broadly as the 1040 window. You Perhaps you've heard that term. That part of the world from North Africa, across the Middle East, through India, across into Asia, that part of the world from 10 degree latitude north to 40 degree latitude north, and the oceans on the side as, as the side borders, that's where most, 98% of these unreached people groups live. It contains 35% of the world's population, 80% of the world's poorest people, nine of the top 10 worst countries in terms of religious persecution, and 98% of the least evangelized peoples on the earth. But here's the hard statistic. It, it also includes less 
than 5% of all the mission work in those unreached, unengaged places. Well, the question that we're looking at this morning in Romans 15 is, should we go to the last frontier, to these hard places, to these unreached places, until the whole world hears? Well, first I want us to see the motive for going to the last frontier. The motive is found in the mission of Jesus Christ himself. Because it's his motive, it then becomes our motive. You can see that in verses 7 through 13 of Romans 15. But I want us to look at verse 8 and 9. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision, or a servant of the Jews, on behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. Now, in this text, we're going to see that word Gentiles nine times. And each time, it is from the, in the original language, in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, it's from a word called ethne, or ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic. And it means people group. People group. A group bound by their ethnicity, their culture, their language, their customs. Other places in the New Testament, you'll see the same word translated as nations. Like in the Great Commission, where it says that we're to go and make disciples of all the nations. That same word nations, the original language behind it is ethne, or ethnos, which is ethnic group or people group. And so here we have this this word in in verses 8 and 9. And these verses are saying, I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews. In other words, he came to this earth, he became a Jew. On behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so that the nations, the people groups of the earth, might glorify God for his mercy. The Lord Jesus Christ became a servant. He took on incarnation. He became a man. And he died on the cross so that all the peoples, not just those of us here at Green Pines Baptist Church, not just those of us who live in North Carolina, not just those of us who live in America, but all the peoples of the earth might glorify God for the mercy that's given through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He became a servant. He became a servant to the Jews in order to confirm God's promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the primary and the most famous promise that was given was this one from Genesis chapter 12, where it says, By you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And he says, I will bless you so that you might be a blessing to the nations. The whole reason that we're blessed, folks, because that promise is also your promise according to Galatians. The whole reason that you have blessing, the whole reason that I have blessing is so that I would be a blessing in turn to the nations so that they might hear the glorious, merciful gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is saying that the ultimate purpose of Christ's mission to the Jews was that the Gentiles or the nations, the people groups of the earth, might glorify God 
for his mercy. This ultimate purpose is so crucial here in Romans 15 that the Holy Spirit gives us four proof texts from the Old Testament to prove that God's purpose is to be glorified among the nations. You see it in verse 9. He quotes from Psalm 18, verse 50. It says, I will praise you among the Gentiles. Now, what's the word behind the word Gentiles? Nations, or the word ethne for ethnic group or nation. So all the nations, all the people groups of the earth. Verse 10, he quotes Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice, O nations, or people groups, with his people. In verse 11, he quotes Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you nations or people groups, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. In verse 12, he quotes Isaiah 11, verse 10. The root of Jesse, which is the father of King David, will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations, and the nations will hope in him. Folks, the only answer... For the world, for all the nations of the earth, is in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? So what is clear here by this piling up of Old Testament verses is that the ultimate purpose of Christ, His purpose, His motivation, is to reach all the nations, all the people groups for the glory of God. That's Christ's purpose. And therefore, this becomes our purpose, our motive, because it is the ultimate purpose of Christ. God, through Christ, desires to be glorified for his mercy by all the peoples of the earth. God is passionate for his name to be known and proclaimed among the nations. But today, there are approximately 6,500 unreached people groups, unreached nations. 6,500 of these ethnic groups, people groups, that do not have access to the gospel. And 3,000 of those have no one even praying for them. These are statistics from the International Mission Board. 3,000 that, that have no one targeting them, no one going to them, no, one, no missionary there, no church praying for them. 30% of the world's population have virtually no exposure to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these groups are in hard places. They're in remote locations. They have language and cultural barriers. They're, they're, they, they practice religious fundamentalism. They're against Christianity's message And they're most resistant to the gospel. These are hard places. These are hard places. But Christ's purpose, which means it becomes my purpose. And if you're a Christian, which is a Christian, a little Christ, a follower of Christ, one who wants to follow his teachings, then it becomes our purpose. And his purpose is for us to be a part of his great commission to go even to the last frontier where people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
for people have little or no access to the message of His mercy and His love. We're simply continuing the purpose of Christ. When I invited Jesus Christ to come into my life to make me a follower of Him and to give me new life, I, I became a part of that purpose. I became a part of, of that motivation that all the peoples of the earth might glorify God for His mercy. And that's the motive. That's the motive. That's the motive for going to the last frontier. The second thing I want us to see is the, the method. The method. You find this in verses 14 through, through 19, the method for going to the last frontier. And in these verses, we're going to see some things about Paul that he describes his relationship with Christ. I want to see if you can pick these up as we go through, uh, read these verses from, from Romans 15, 14 through 19. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some point, so as to remind you again, because of the grace, now watch that, the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the nations, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the nations, the Gentiles, might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, notice he says, I am in Christ. I'm his follower. I, I follow him. I'm a part of his method. I'm a part of his, his motive. I am in Christ Jesus. I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the nations. Obedience to the nations by word and deed. In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. These verses describe for us the method for how we can go to these hard, unreached Last frontier, gospel-denying, hard places. They describe the method because it describes a person who is absolutely and completely dependent upon the Lord Jesus to equip them and to enable them. It's a person who's full of faith, who's intent on being available to take the message of Jesus Christ to the hard places. Look at verse 15 where it says, because of the grace of God in my life. I, I can't do this on my own, Paul saying. It's because of the grace of God in my life. That's the method. Depending on his strength, his grace. Verse 16, he says, Because he has made to, me to be a minister and a priest of the gospel. Verse 17, because I am in Christ. Verse 18, because Christ has accomplished his work in and through me. Paul is saying that as a result of, of his grace and me depending on him, his, his work in my life, I'm able to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and that, that message of mercy and love to the hard places. This is God's method. To take people like you, take people like me that are willing to say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not able, I'm not adequate for these things. But to say, Lord, I, I'm going to be depending on you, full of faith, 
fully available. I'm putting my yes on the table. Whatever you call me to do, the answer is yes. I will be a part of your great commission. When we are full of faith, when we're fully available to God, we can go where he calls us to go, even when it doesn't make any sense. Aren't you thankful for that? Sometimes, you, you may, I'm sure you've experienced this in your journey, this, God just opens up doors that just don't make sense, and, and he's leading you to be a part of something that just doesn't make sense. Not a part of your plans, but you sense his leadership in it, his purpose in it, his plan in it. But because he's calling and because we're following him, then the sense can go out the window and just trust in him for what he's doing in our lives. It doesn't always have to make sense in my rational mind. Because supernatural things don't make sense sometimes. Amen? So we can abandon comfort. We can abandon security and safety. And we can go where there's no applause. We can go where there's no recognition. We can go where we're not even known. People don't even recognize that we're there for what we're doing because of the grace of God. He has made us to be his ministers and priests of the gospel. And we are in Christ as followers of the Lord Jesus. And he is accomplishing that work in us. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1 for a moment. I know that some of us cannot go. You might even want to go to a hard place to serve the Lord. And you're all on board for this call to be a part of the nation's reach. And your yes is on the table, but there's different things that might be preventing you from going. And you're not able to go. But God still wants to use you right where you are in the middle of the circumstances that you're in in order for his message to still go through you to the nations. It doesn't change the motive. It doesn't change the focus. It doesn't change the core. But you may not physically be able to go or other reasons you might be hindered. It has to do with not physical reasons, but other circumstantial reasons that you can't go. But you long to be a part of the whole world hearing. You long to be a part of, of, his, of his gospel of mercy being heard by all the nations. Well, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and you know where he's writing from. Where is he when he's writing this? He's in prison. He's in prison. He's in jail. And, and just like you and me, Paul wanted to be a part of, of the gospel going to the nations. We've already seen that in what we've read in Romans 15. But he was in prison. Would, would, can you imagine with me? It's kind of hard to do this task of going to the nations when you're in prison. A little limitation there. So it would be like Paul's been put on a shelf. It would be as though he's there... And God's finished. He's not able to use him because he's prevented from actually going on that next mission trip. Unable to participate. But in Philippians chapter 1, Paul's writing from prison, and he says in verse 12, 
Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, where is he? He's in prison. My circumstances have turned out for what? The greater <laughs> progress of the gospel. I mean, does anybody else find that quite interesting? He's in prison, and those circumstances are leading to the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. In verse 14, it talks about having more trust in the Lord and more courage to speak. So how does being in prison seemingly put on a shelf because of the circumstances, how does that advance the gospel? Well, Paul looks at it this way. He recognizes, I'm a part of God's plan to reach the nations wherever I am. And if I'm not able to go because I'm stuck in prison, God's going to still use me somehow, some way for his gospel to go forward. So I'm not on a shelf. And even though I can't go on those mission trips, even though I'm in prison, here's what's happening in my life while I'm stuck in prison. Every four hours, they send a different guard to guard me. And he, this guard chains himself to my body, and Paul says, I have a captive audience. I wonder if those guards got through with Paul and wondered who was chained to who. Every four hours, a new guard for me to tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, here's the interesting thing. The the Praetorian Guard was the, the group of Caesar's elite soldiers. They were the best that he had. And they were the guards assigned to guard Paul. And every four hours, a new Praetorian guard was chained to Paul. (laughs) And Paul says, guess why I'm here? As he's talking to that Praetorian guard. I'm here because I was preaching about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you my story of who Jesus is. Let me tell you all about him. And according to Philippians 1, many of the Praetorian guard placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know what happened? When Caesar wanted to choose a soldier to be a general and lead a campaign and conquer a new land, guess where he'd go to choose those generals? He would go to the Praetorian Guard. The Apostle Paul never made it to Spain, but the Roman armies did. Those believers... And those Roman armies carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to Spain. The Apostle Paul never made it to the British Isles, but the gospel of Jesus Christ did because it was carried by Roman soldiers who were led to Jesus Christ by their generals who had been led to Jesus Christ while they were in the Praetorian Guard chained to the Apostle Paul. By the year A.D. 100, the gospel of Jesus Christ had spread throughout Europe. Why? Because God stuck Paul in jail. Now, which one of us would have used that plan for world evangelism? (laughs) Let's go this route here. If Paul had sulked and pouted and griped and whined and complained... Because he was in jail, you and I may not even be here this morning. Because the gospel would not have gone to Europe and gone to our forefathers who brought it to you and to me. 
we need to see that world history was impacted by the right response in the midst of a difficult situation where Paul wanted to go, just like many of you. If we went around the room here, I would say that many of you would say, I, I want to be a part of that great commission call to the nations. I'm, my yes is on the table. I want to go, but for some reason, God has you right here. And Paul allowed God's grace to fill him. And, and like, like some of us here, he wasn't able to go at that stage in his life. But he allowed God to use those circumstances that he was in so that the whole world might hear. And God can use you right now in the place that you're at with the, with the circumstances that you're in where you may not be able to actually go, physically go on a plane and go to some hard place. But you have in your DNA, it's all about the nations. It's all about the nations. We've got to reach those unreached people groups. It might be a ministry of prayer. It might be a ministry of giving. But in that circumstance you're in, you're a part of being faithful. Faithful to what is the passion of Jesus Christ. And that's for the whole world to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's method letting God use us in whatever circumstances that we're in because of his grace in our life. The third thing I want us to see is the model for going to the last frontier. It's in verses 20 to 24. The model. In, the, in this ministry of God through the Apostle Paul, we see the example, the model for going to the last frontier, the model for going to the hard places. And we can see this in two statements in this text. First one is at the end of verse 19. It says, So that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have done what? What does he say? Fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, now wait a minute. Think about this. Don't pass over that. From Jerusalem, which is in southern Palestine, to the land of Illyricum, which is the land that connects northern Greece and northern Italy, Paul says, I have preached the gospel fully. I've finished. My work is done. Verse 23, look what it says. There is no more place for me to work in these regions. My, My task is complete. Now, I don't know about you, but aren't, aren't we tempted to say, Paul, there are still lost people in those places. How can your task be complete? What about all the believers there in Judea and Samaria and Syria and Asia and Macedonia? How can you say the task is complete? Some of us may frame it this way. We may say it like this. Why are we going on mission trips over there when there are people right here who need to be saved? I've heard that in all the churches I've been in. People will ask that question, and maybe there's someone in this church asking that same question. Why are we going on mission trips over there when there are people right here who need to be saved? For Paul, his task was complete because there were now churches planted in those regions. Churches who were Acts 1-8 churches. You remember Acts 1-8, which received power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we would be as witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Notice that that is not a sequential promise of God. In other words, it doesn't say at all. It doesn't say, now, you're going to be my witnesses. And first, you finish Jerusalem. When you completely finish Jerusalem, then you can go to Judea. And when you completely finish Judea, then you can go to Samaria. And then when you finish Samaria, then you can go to the ends of the earth. That is a misinterpretation of a sequential form of that promise, and that is not what that verse says. It is not sequential, it's simultaneous. You're to be involved in Jerusalem, at the same time you're to be involved in Judea, at the same time you're to be involved in Samaria, at the same time as a church, you're to be involved in the ends of the earth. And Paul was planning those kinds of churches in these regions where they were not only reaching their local Jerusalem, they were also reaching to the ends of the earth as well. And Paul was saying, my task is complete because there's churches now, churches that are growing, churches that are reaching out, churches that could win that region to Christ. And so Paul wanted to obey the Great Commission and go to the places where there was no church. There's no access to the gospel. Because in these other regions, my task is finished. Because there's churches planted there that can reach those places. But I want to go where there is no church. Those unreached, unengaged people groups, the hard places, the last frontier. Oswald J. Smith, the late pastor of the People's Church of Toronto, says it this way. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has a chance to hear it once? And he's talking about the the tension where some people say, why are we going over there on mission trips when we should be right here just reaching those around us? And that pastor's question to his church was, why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has a chance to hear it once? in places that have not yet heard. So the great need of this hour is for Christians like Paul who want to obey the the Great Commission to give and to go and to pray for the unreached peoples of the earth, that last frontier, that that hard places, the, the ethne, those places that have no access to the gospel until the whole world hears. Paul had a passion to make God's name known among all the peoples of the earth, and he wanted to make sure he was going to those unreached places. You can see that in the second statement in verse 20. Verse 20 says, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ is already named. How could he say this? Because he wanted to obey the Great Commission to go into all the nations, to go to the last frontier, There's no church to evangelize its own people. Yes, some are not able to go. Some are called to stay and work among an established church. But do we realize the disparity between those that stay versus those that go to these 3,000 unengaged groups that have no missionary targeting or focusing on them? Many of us don't realize that 95% of all Christian workers Stay where the work is already established. Only 5% of those going into full-time Christian service go where people have little or no access to the gospel. Even among the foreign missionaries, even among the foreign field, 85% work among reached peoples. Meaning there's a church planted that can reach that region 
But look in verse 24. Notice something. It says that, that Paul was hindered from going to Rome where the church was already planted. It was God who hindered, hindered Paul. That verb there in the original language is a passive verb. A passive verb just means the action has to be done to you. It's not something that you can do. It's like the, the verb in, the, in Ephesians where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a passive verb. You can't do something to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. God has to fill you. It's a passive verb. It's an act being done to you by someone else, by God himself. That verb here in verse 24 of Romans 15, that word hindered, is a passive. It's God who hindered him. God hindered him from going where the church was already planted because it's God's heart, his passion for his name to be known and proclaimed among all the peoples of the earth. Even the places that are unreached, unengaged, that are hard. The last frontier. We need to join Paul and be willing to give and to go to the unreached people groups of the earth. We need young people who will leave Disney World called America. Those of you who have traveled in other countries realize we live in Disney World in America. I'm so thankful for America. I'm so thankful for the freedoms we have here. But if you've traveled to other places, you know how blessed we are. We need young people who will lay down the glamour of the American lifestyle and go where you won't have much, but you'll have the glory of God. We need retired people to finish their lives on the mission field. Where you could say like Paul in verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. <laughs> Paul going to Spain? Paul was, uh, uh, Spain was at the edge of the world. And Paul had a vision at the end of his life, not for retirement, but to go to the unreached peoples of Spain. We need people who will leave their nice jobs and the securities and comforts and wealth that goes with American lifestyle and go to places where it's not comfortable. If we're going to join in on this call, on this urge to be a part of the unreached places, we need parents who will release their children to go to hard places. Parents, let me encourage you to teach your children that having a white picket fence and two cars in the garage and a good 401k and living near good hospitals is not the goal. That is not the goal. The goal is to reflect God's passion for the nations to know of his greatness and his mercy and his glory. Which means you might need to release your children and grandparents, release your grandchildren with blessing to go to hard places in the world. Will you do that? Did you know that one of the main reasons that the current generation is not going to the mission field is because grandparents have not released them, blessed them to go? That's from the International Mission Board. Parents not releasing their children to go to hard places. We need missionaries People just fully available to God, putting their yes on the table to say, Lord, I'm willing to go on a short-term mission trip. I'm willing to go for six months. I'm willing to go for a year. I'm willing to go for 20 years. I'm willing to answer the call. Frontier. And all of us, no matter what our circumstances are, can be a part of this. Whether it's a part of, of going or giving or praying, we can all embrace reaching the unreached people groups of the earth.
You can see this model all through Scripture. God used Abraham as a witness in Canaan. God used Jacob's family as a testimony in Egypt. God used the spies who entered Jericho to bless Rahab, the Canaanite. God used Naomi as a blessing to Ruth, the Moabite woman. God used Moses as a blessing to, to Jethro, his Midianite father-in-law. God used David to cause the Philistines to acknowledge God's greatness. God used Elijah as a witness to a widow from Sidonia. God used Elisha as a testimony to Naaman, a Syrian. God used Jonah to bless the Ninevites. God used Solomon to bless the queen of Sheba. God used Daniel as a blessing to the Babylonians. God used Esther and Mordecai as a blessing to the entire Persian Empire. God used Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezra and Nehemiah and other prophets to declare the word of God to many nations. All of us can join in on what God's word has unfolded for us, his passion for all the nations to know of his greatness. Will you put your yes on the table and say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do. I'm willing to go, I'm willing to stay, but I want to be a part of seeing the nations reached till the whole world hears. In the late 18th century, a poor English shoemaker named William Carey had a burden to be involved in the last frontier. William Carey wanted to go to India, take the gospel there, but he was told by church leaders, this is a quote, they said, sit down, young man. When God wants to evangelize the heathen, he will do it without your help. But William Carey could not sit down. And I'm praying there's a whole bunch of folks here this morning that just cannot sit down because of the passion of God in your heart for the nations to be reached. William Carey preached a sermon to a group of ministers at a Baptist association meeting, and he challenged them with two things. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. William Carey saw that if he did not go to the last frontier... He was not only being disobedient to God, but in addition, he was being a hindrance to those who were to come to Christ. He would actually be guilty of hindering others from being saved because he would not be there to tell them about Jesus. And as a result of that burden and that passion, he continued to move toward, as God would lead him, toward forming a new mission board. And against tremendous opposition... From church leaders, William Carey went to India and became a successful missionary and a Bible translator. And today, William Carey, that poor English shoemaker, is today known as the father of modern missions. Green Pines Baptist Church, you are a people who believe that those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will perish under the judgment of God. You believe that God intends to gather worshipers for His Son, the Lord Jesus, from all the peoples of the earth. You know that there are 6,500 unreached people groups who have little or no access to the gospel. You know there's, there's over 3,000 of those people groups that have no one targeting them. 
No mission agency trying to reach them. No church even praying for them. If Jesus Christ is Lord of the nations, and if he has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation, and if he has authority in heaven and on earth, and if he has commanded us to go and make disciples of all the nations, and if he has promised to be with us to the end of the age, then Green Pines Baptist Church, let's be a church that will not rest until the mission is done. Let's abandon comforts and safety and let's go and declare the mercy of God to the unreached people groups that Jesus Christ has purchased. Be a church that has a passion. Be a church that has a passion in the core of your being. Be a church that has a passion for the supremacy of Jesus Christ among the nations And let's answer yes to the last frontier until the whole world hears. Let's pray together.